Advent is the four Sundays leading up to Christmas that in the liturgical calendar are become holy days. And, and it really means the waiting, waiting for the coming of Christ. Well, there have probably been a million calendars and, and uh, thousands of books written about it. But one of the most fascinating books I've ever read about Advent was is called Honest Advent by Scott Erickson. And it just came out recently. And so we, we just did an interview a couple days ago. We're putting it on right now so that you can grab this book on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, wherever you get uh, books. Uh, with me today on Brave Men, which is a ministry of Christian Men's Network, is uh, my partner in crime, Chris Shields. And Chris, this this uh, book, Honest Advent, is really an unusual take and a new take on um, on what Advent really is. Because most of us coming back, let's say out of a more of a Pentecostal or free-form Baptist, uh, you know, background. Yeah. We, we didn't really do Advent. No, no. That was something tied to tradition. You yeah, know? yeah. It was those guys over there. Yeah. Yeah. Candles and mm-hmm. all that. But man, when you look into it and you, you begin thinking about the coming of Christ and, and really looking at it, and this book, Scott Erickson, it's called Honest Advent. Um, even in the description we wrote, it's a poetic and visual book because he's an artist. Exactly. It's called Scott the Painter. Yes, the creative. Yeah, Scott the Painter, the yes. creative. See, and I love his subtitle to this, Awaking to the Wonder of God with mm. Us, Then, Here, and Now. Wow. And I think that that is a perfect platform for the reality of we don't throw out tradition. You know what I'm saying? We mm-hmm. allow it to build a platform for us to go higher. And I think oftentimes in my generation, yeah. you know, we miss out on the possibility of going to the next level because mm-hmm. we're so tied to, oh, that's just the old school way. Yeah. And, and there's a difference, isn't there? Yes. I mean, because uh, this liturgical thing classic, if you will, really, which started around 400 AD when the Catholic Church began to celebrate this, and then it spread to all the other churches. Yes. Eastern Orthodox has a 40-day thing, and uh, but it really is beginning to focus on uh, the coming of the Messiah. Yes. Really important. So, um, so we throw away old milk. Yes. But you don't throw away the classic things. No. You know, of... Of faith. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's some things that are just immutable, right? Yes. And and if we're not careful, we throw away old stuff like it's old milk. Yeah. And I mean, just like... But it's not. The reverence aspect. Some of the greatest creatives I know that are doing something well-known today that are touching mm-hmm. generations are the artists or the creatives that go back and give reverence or homage, whatever the definition of word you want to use, yeah. to what came before them. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And I think oftentimes that's where we miss out on. And that's why I love what Scott did here. You know, getting us to look back the then, the here, mm-hmm. and the now. The, the fa- you know, and I love how even it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's the same yeah. yesterday, today, and forever. Yeah, he brings it into a real thing. Like, she really had pain. She was in childbearing. Yeah. You know, when they, when they went to... Uh, you know, stay at some place in Bethlehem, which we know wasn't like a hotel. Yeah. Wasn't a motel and somebody goes, you know, you can't come in. It was uh, actually probably a friend of the family. They stayed in the uh, the room, the bottom room, the lower room in the house, which usually if, if it got really cold, that's where you brought the animals. Yeah. 
So it wasn't necessarily this outside shed sort of thing. It was, uh, and so he brings out these whole things. And then what was that really like? Yeah. You, you know, I often think, and you haven't had children yet. I've had children and grandchildren, but you've held babies. And, yes. And uh, so, you know, it's kind of like I've often thought about if I were dad and I'm holding the son of God. Yeah. The Messiah. My gosh. Would I really be concerned about my grip and would I ever throw him in the air? No. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like whoop. Oh my God. And I just drop. Could, yeah, exactly. Dropping I just drop the Messiah, Jesus? you know? Yeah, it's like, yeah, no. Or think about this one. This is funny because uh, as a first time dad, uh, and my son Brandon was talking about it yesterday uh, in his great message at C3 Fort Worth, he was talking about sneaking in and seeing if his son was firstborn. You're always concerned about every little thing. You know, are they eating the right stuff? Are they getting the right food? I, I remember Lindsay with her firstborn, my daughter, she, the, the water in the bottle, like here, a bottle of water. Well, it had to be distilled water <laughs> or something like that. I can't yes. remember what it was. It's special, special water. Well, by the time you get to the fourth child, it's like, just put some water from the tap in there, <laughs> give them the water. But you think about sneaking in and listening and you, you go, listen, is he breathing? You don't want to wake him up, but you want to make sure he's breathing. He is yeah. like the son of God. Yeah. And Scott Erickson in the book, Honest Advent, brings these things to the front. Yes. And my conversation with him a couple of days ago, I thought was really good. And, and we really kind of opened up some things, not only about the book, but Advent in and of itself. It wasn't just about talking about, oh, hey, cool book, nice yeah. artwork, because he's yeah. an artist. He did some really unique things in it. But uh, we really begin to talk about what does Advent mean? Yeah. What does it mean for the coming, waiting in the coming of the Messiah? Exactly. And I think more than ever, with every, in the season that we're in, we mm-hmm. need to know that God is here now. He's going to always be with us. He's never going to leave us and forsake us because this is Huge. the season yeah. that we need to know more than ever. I mean, look at the craziness going on in yeah, the world. Yeah, the pandemic stuff. Yes. Come on, man. But God is not leaving you us. You got to know Jesus is there. He's still there. there. Yeah. And he's not in some mystical yeah. outer space island chilling. Yeah. Come on, man. You know, he <laughs> is right here in front of us. He is here. And the way that you bring him closer is by opening your mouth and say, hey, God, yeah. thank you for being here yeah. with me. He's not out there on that Corona Island with the little no. tree with the lights on. Yeah. No, <laughs> drinking out of those like pineapple yeah, or coconut yeah, yeah, with yeah. the little straw in it. No, yeah. he's not. He is right there next to you, and he's waiting yeah, for he's you here. to call on him. Yeah, it's fantastic, man. Hey, uh, Brave Men is a uh, outreach and ministry of the Christian Men's Network. You can find our details at cmn.men, cmn.men, Christian Men's Network. You can write to me at paul at cmn.men. And uh, really honored today and excited to introduce you to Scott Erickson. Uh, He's written a number of books, but the one we're talking about today is Advent, Honest Advent with Scott Erickson today on Brave Men. It's Brave Man with Paul Lewis Cole. Wisdom and courage for the journey. Talking with uh, Scott Erickson, we're talking about his uh, his book that's absolutely uh, remarkable about Advent. And for a lot of people who don't come from a liturgical background, which I didn't, uh, I didn't know what Advent was. Mm-hmm. But it's basically a calendar thing, right, leading up to Christmas. Is that right, Scott? Yeah, it's... it's uh... 
a liturgical season. So liturgy just meaning the work of the people. So it's something that we've invented to help us uh, give like a framework around <laughs> the seeming nothingness that is. I mean, we, we, yeah. we create order. So we give like this little season to go, uh, and Advent just means coming in Latin. So it's okay. like, what does it mean for something to be announced and then for it to take time before it arrives? And what is that season of waiting for that arrival? Wow. It's really modeled after like pregnancy, which is you get an announcement, whether uh, from a peeing on a stick or yeah. wife, you know, somebody throwing up or, you know, growing, you're like, something's happening. And then you're like, oh, I know this thing is going to come. And what is the transformation preparation? What happens to you as you wait for that arrival? And so yeah. this is just a, a church, yeah, a church calendar, like a, a, a way of spiritually forming ourselves about what it means to wait and, and anticipate. Now you wrote uh, this book and by the way, it's, it's fantastic. And so you know, you and I are talking today. We're basically going to nail this thing onto our podcast so right away so that people can grab a hold of it. It's called Honest Advent. Scott Erickson, E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N, uh, and it's on Amazon and so forth. And you also probably have a, a website that has all this on it. Yes, honestadvent.com. Nobody had taken it. So, yeah, right there. Get it. <laughs> yeah. fantastic. I know. God, God saved that for you, man. There we go. Honestadvent.com. And uh, I think probably, you know, the thing that struck me about this, because what you talk about is awakening to the wonder of God. Mm -hmm. Your background is you're a visual artist, you're a performance artist. Mm -hmm. And uh, for the kingdom, out of your faith in God. And then here comes this honest advent. And what it is, is really honest. It's like questions you had about having three children, birthing, what does that look like? What does that feel like? What's the texture of it? What's the smell like? Mm -hmm. And you go into that, and you yeah. went to places that people haven't gone before, and then you did it visually also. Yeah. What was the impetus towards this? I mean, what, what caused this thing to happen, Honest Advent? Uh, it started four years ago, where we found ourselves in a similar place that we are now, which was post divisive and very long presidential election. Uh, we had images of serious civil war, you know, destruction, displacement, multiple mass shootings, Zika virus, Flint water crisis, just a lot of really difficult things. And then I found myself in November uh, coming into, like walking into a Target, into a store, and uh, everything was decorated like Christmas, you know, like happens every year. You just, oh, all, there of, was. All, all, all of Western society gets dusted overnight with Christmas. And uh, <laughs> I just looked at it all and it was like, this feels so irrelevant to the world I live in right now. Like yeah. it, it just, not even like the overly done Santa story, just even like the stuff from my own Christian tradition, just the the sanitized and safe imagery. Like it just stopped feeling like it was even a story that happened to human beings. It's just like these other kinds of people doing these mm -hmm. things. And at least how it was visually represented. And I, uh, my deep question, my prayer was just like, does Christmas matter to us? I mean, like, I know that it does, but like, really does it? Like, does it have anything to say in this time? Is it just a distraction from reality or is it a, a hope 
for reality. And is it a is it just a sidebar mm -hmm. in your life, or or does my life actually get transformed? Yeah. And you went into this, and and one of my one of my personal visual things about life and God is light. I grew up on the ocean and the way oh, nice. the, the light on the ocean and then uh, Lake Tahoe and the skiing and the light mm -hmm. on the snow. And so light was a big picture, but you went into something else too. And so light is kind of like the light has come, John, you know, kids read it and yeah. we hold candles and all that stuff. It's very cool. It's why um, Christmas yeah. is in the darkest time of the year. Is yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, on the northern hemisphere. On the northern hemisphere, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All my friends in Australia, they're heading out surfing, going camping. I know. And sending me photos going, dude, look. Yeah. <laughs> Can we even imagine what if Christmas happened, if incarnation happened in the southern hemisphere? Like what? <laughs> it would be, anyways, yeah. It would be, be fantastic. It would be. Anyway, this would be a palm tree with lights, which... Of course, isn't that a Corona commercial? It totally is. <laughs> yeah, which I, which I actually love. I absolutely love that whole visual. But you went somewhere else uh, in your art and in talking about this, Scott, you went into vulnerability. Mm -hmm. Tell me about that and, and how that played out. Well, what every human being ever has come into the world through vulnerability, meaning weakness, when a, a baby comes out, it needs care. It's not self-sustaining. It, mm -hmm. it, it needs, it, it's attached to other people. And vulnerability, the definition of vulnerability means to take one ar one's armor off. It means mm. to like, it makes, make yourself open, touchable, uh, to let your guard down. And so, uh, and having witnessed that three times live yeah. uh, and that kind of crazy moment. And then what occurred to me was that, all humanity, all human beings come through vulnerability and this unseen holy mystery, invisible holy mystery, who then became visible, came through the same route we did, which is through vulnerability. So if uh, my real question is, is, is uh, Christmas a, a memorial service or is it a birthday party? Is it something that <laughs> happened once long ago or is it still happening today? And if you go yeah. to any church and ask the kids whose birthday is it, they'll say it's Jesus. So we know, we actually believe that it is a birthday party. So where, where is Jesus to be found? And I would say that it, Jesus is still incarnating through that same avenue, which is vulnerability, our vulnerability. Yeah, yeah. our hope is found in the very messy participation of human weakness. Yes. And as I always say. Yeah, participation is a great word. Uh, I think a lot of times you wrote that. In, you wrote that, so oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I mean that's your phrase, Scott. But it's 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 so on, so dead. Yeah. I mean, I think sometimes a lot of religious talk can be just about observation, and I really think the move is uh, observation to participation instead mm. of or orthodoxy. It's orthopraxy. You know, it's the mm. practice. It's the participating. And that's what incarnation tells us is that if God, if God just wanted to give us a bunch of list of things to do, you know, he could have showed up any number of ways. He could have made a holy pamphlet and had it double-sided and laminated at FedEx, you know, well, he sort of, he sort of did give us a list. It's called the first covenant. Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But he wanted to show that like, uh, cause I, I here, I am here's like, let's step back for a second is, yeah. which I think is, I don't really think our real question 
is, is God real? I don't, I think that's what we think our question is. Like I grew up in a culture that liked to have debates, you know, they would have, uh, they would bring a Bible scholar and an atheist scientist, <laughs> and then they would debate. And the question is, is God real or not? Yeah. And be like, Oh yeah. And I would always be rooting for the Christian one. And it wasn't until later on that I actually listened to the atheist and I was like, Oh, they have good points. Uh, but like <laughs> you, the yeah, whole we created these things where it was kind of like the Christian, our own version of the Coliseum. Yes. Yes. But the, the goal was to go, let's prove, is God real? And so we think like, is proving God real is the point. And I don't know if that's our deepest question. I actually think our deeper question is, is God real in all of this? Mm. Like your life, my life, our life, yeah. this life that we find ourselves in. And participation is important because a God can be real and be far off and, and not involved. But to, I would say from my experience and my observation and my paying attention is that God is intimately involved in our world, in your life, my life, our life. And that, and that is where I want to discover in like how, in, how Christ is still coming in our midst. I'm talking with Scott Erickson and the book is called Honest Advent. Honest Advent, A-D-V-E-N-T. We talked about that. And basically what you did is you, you've got 25 readings is what it says, but it's really all interconnected into how does this authentically touch my life and where you went and you're an artist and you're performance artist, but you're also a uh, graphic artist, artwork, mm -hmm. so forth. And, um, and you did a bunch of art in here. You've got a baby, you got baby Jesus with an umbilical cord. Uh, I, do. I mean, how dare you, man? <laughs> right. I mean, he didn't, I mean, we kind of have this feeling that he came out totally like, I don't know, speaking Greek and telling his folks uh, how to handle him. Yeah. But he didn't. The vulnerability was he came out God in flesh. Yeah. And she had to feed him and suckle him and uh -huh. wipe his rear end. and Yeah. And I mean, you actually did that. <laughs> I, I, have, I have a picture of him. She, uh, that's because I have a two-year-old. I'm wiping rear ends all the time, of multiple course. times a day. That, you know, yeah. The, what does it say about a God that's willing to be that vulnerable at the beginning? That's amazing. Uh, I think, you know, for God to start the conversation, this invisible God to then be seen and let others see him, he starts the conversation by saying, I'm going to need you to take care of me for a really, really long time. Wow. I'm, I'm going to come into the world and not be able to do anything myself. And I'm going to need you to take care of me. I mean, that, what is it? <laughs> what does that say about God? It says a lot of things. It says that God comes in peace, that God comes for human flourishing, that God comes mm -hmm. to participate, that God cares about the aspects of a human life, the processes of growth. He honors he honors the stages of growth that happen in a human life. Yeah. Um, and that, and, and I think what we alluded to before is that God ultimately is before he even says anything saying, I'm here to participate. Wow. I'm here to enmesh my life into human lives in, into the human history. That's why we're still talking about it today. Yeah, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. He didn't come as a Buddha that we can't touch. Hmm. Or, um, you know, it says the government will be on his shoulders, but, you know, Muhammad basically basically imposed the system of government. Mm. 
became very vulnerable to say, um, I'm fully connected with the human experience. And it's, it's an amazing thing. I, and uh, I, I love the way you walk through a number of different things. I went hit and then you blew up some stuff, which is, which is great. You really yeah. screwed up a whole bunch of Christmas plays. That's great. Because you blew up the whole piece about no room in the end. Yeah. It's a little later in the book, but I, I, I absolutely just dug it because I thought, golly, man, this is the type of stuff we need to blow up. Yeah. Tell me about that. The whole, the whole thing of, uh, cause we do the whole no room in the end and yeah, you know, this yeah. innkeeper is a pretty bad guy. Yeah. But yeah it's actually, just, you know, <laughs> there's actually not a mention of an innkeeper at all there <laughs> in the chapter assumptions I run through. That, that right. There's no, there's no, no mention that Mary rode on a donkey. There's no mention that uh, a star was overhead when Jesus was born. There's no mention that there was an innkeeper. There's no mention that Jesus was in a stable. It says he was laid in a manger, but that could be wow. any number of places. And actually the room for inn isn't like a La Quinta, like we think about. It's right. uh, an inn, actually, that word actually means like the visitor room at a relative's house. Wow. Uh, and, and so actually, and, and, and it says in the, uh, it says in the text that Mary and Joseph made their way to Bethlehem and they were there until the time came for her to have a child. So what, like what I, I talk about is like, here's how we think of the story that Mary and Joseph are like trying to get to Bethlehem as fast as they can. Cause this baby's going to pop and they show up to Bethlehem late at night contractions happening. And they're like, we got to deliver this baby. Where's, can we do it? And I'm like, no room, no room, no room. And finally one wow. in like, I got a stable and that, and, and then they deliver this, this baby comes out in the stable and the animals watch and there's hay and all very clean. And, uh, but this is actually, none of this is true. This is all propagated by, uh, pageants that are like 28 minutes long at churches with low budgets like it's it, and it's fine it makes it exciting it gives us some movement and stuff but hey no 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 wait a minute don't don't nail it. all of us i've seen really huge big budget things with that's true that's true camels and donkeys and yeah. uh like marriott's or something yeah but so, so actually most likely how it happened is that they went to jerusalem or sorry yeah. bethlehem all of it was like a family reunion brought about by the roman empire and they were there for a long time hanging out with their family oh. and well. yet the writer says there's no room for them in that visitor room wow. and and so it doesn't give us much but it's saying not everything was cool and I go, are you telling me, like, we're both gentlemen. Are you telling me that there wasn't an uncle or a cousin who'd be like, oh, cousin Mary's, yeah, take my bed. Wow. <laughs> you telling me there wasn't one gentleman there? Like, it's alluding that there was something going on in a family dynamic. And then that's where I go to is like, hey, one of the things that we can find how this story, because uh, I will say this, like, this book is less about how did the birth happen 2,000 years ago. Right. It's, it's more about a book. It's more about going, how is this happening now? Yeah. Like that's the only, that's the reason as a, as a Bible teacher, I, one of my muses is like, the only reason we tell these stories is because they're still happening today. If they weren't happening today, we wouldn't tell these stories, but they help illuminate that. Yeah. It happened back then, but it's still happening now. And yeah. one of the ways that we can find Yeah. And one of the ways that we can find it still happening now is that how incredibly difficult it is to be in a family dynamic. Mm like there's all these expectations about 
who you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to act, <laughs> whether or not, you're or to how you're supposed to get pregnant, how you're supposed to get pregnant, how, you know, how, how, how you're supposed to be viewed by others and your family yeah. name, all this yeah. honor and stuff like that. And I can tell that I know you and myself and probably everybody listening, uh, families were, have, as you get older, you're like, these, these are a lot more complicated than I thought it would be. Um, yeah. and, and, uh, and that chapter specifically, I was trying to write to friends of mine or people I know or even myself to go like, there are maybe times because of how you're evolving or transforming or what you conclusions you've come to that may leave you uninvited to the family reunion. Wow. It may leave you saying, please don't come to Christmas this year. And, and going, that dynamic was there in the first family. and. God provided a room and God will provide a room for you too. Like the giver of your incarnation, the giver of your existence will make a space for that existence wow. because God is involved in your life. And it may look really different than what you expected. It may, it may not be with the family you were born into, but it may be strangers along the way. It may be like random shepherds who come in <laughs> or angels yeah. who sing songs, people, international travelers who give you gifts along the way. Yeah. And all of these things. But yeah, I mean, the, the, the whole experience, you know, uh, going back hundreds of years before when Daniel gets taken captive and then he tells the dreams of the, you know, the king, Nebuchadnezzar, and, and then he, uh, and he's, then he gets put in charge of a school of the magicians, which become the Magi, which bring yep. the money. So Joseph has money because he's just a stonemason. Yeah. And he's able to use that money to take his family away for four years. The interconnectedness of this yeah. is, is, I think, where, where what you bring about, the wonder of God with us right now yeah. in the messiness of our humanity because yeah. that's how he arrived. Yeah. Yeah. And we find ourselves in lots of messiness right now. Oh, goodness. Uh, you know, some, and a lot, frankly, a lot of it, we create ourselves. We didn't create COVID, but we yeah. sure create a lot of stuff out of it yeah. for ourselves. Hey, this is Chris. I want to take a moment right in the middle of this great conversation to let you know that the Brave Men Podcast is a production of the Christian Men's Network Worldwide and the Global Fatherhood Initiative. Christian Men's Network has helped pastors and leaders disciple men for over 40 years. You can find all the resources for mentoring and fatherhood at cmn.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. Christian Men's Network has a YouTube channel with inspirational videos. There you can find the innovative new study, Monday Night Men. When you get there, make sure you click subscribe. Monday Night Men is a fresh resource for men and pastors. As a pastor, you can follow up the 30-minute study with a digital meetup with your men for prayer, discussion, and teaching. Some churches are using the videos as part of a group meeting. As an individual, enlarge, energize, and build a strong mindset. This 13-week study will be on YouTube and Facebook. Get your books and materials at cmn.men. That's the Christian Men's Network at cmn.men. Stop what you're doing, take your phone, tablet, or computer, and like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and follow us on Twitter. Unless you think you'll lose the podcast, in that case, 
make yourself a note. That's the Christian Men's Network or Paul Lewis Cole. Now, let's get back to this powerful interview between Paul and Scott Erickson. Hey, tell me about, you said you said something really fascinating. You said, uh, Revelation is a hard gift to receive. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. we don't come to Christ, become a follower of Jesus Christ by information. We have to find out, but the information isn't what, it's, it's a revelation of Christ. But you said it's a hard gift to receive. Why'd you say that? Mm. I was actually meditating on this today because I'm speaking at a church on Sunday about it, uh, about, uh, right. Like the, it says like that, you know, the angel delivers this message to Mary and then immediately she, and it says your relative Elizabeth is also pregnant. Like, like, and she, Elizabeth is like past menopause. Right. So it's like, yeah. Whoa. And Mary immediately gets her things and goes and visits. Yeah, And I was thinking about that because it was like, yeah, because um, to have an exceptional experience uh, that's, that transforms you, that changes your life is incredibly lonely. Hmm. It's, it's an incredibly lonely experience to have something just happen to you. Uh, wow. I remember, I remember I, like after high school, I went and lived in Europe for a year. I worked, learned French, made friends, traveled, had unbelievable experiences. And then I came home. And all my friends were still there. And they were like, how was it? And I was like, I don't know how to talk about it. And they're like, cool, okay, good. Well, I'm glad you had a good time. You wanna to go to a movie? And that and, was that. And that was that. And I realized I couldn't talk about it with them. Wow. It's not that they didn't care. It's just that they, their lives had still gone on and mine had been different. And it was only later on when I found other people who had traveled, lived overseas, that I could talk about these things. I found some solidarity in my loneliness because to be transformed in a way, like I think Mary was like, yeah, I want to go see if this is true. But also I need to, she was like, I need to go talk to some people who've talked to angels. Mm. Wow. (laughs) Because I I just did. And I don't know what to make of it. And I need to talk to another woman who's having a miraculous birth because I don't know what to make about mine. The cost of revelation is that it's going to transform you, but mm. it's going to transform you in, in all the ways that you maybe didn't want it to. Wow. Like we think of transformation of like, I would like to transform my wardrobe or my, you know, I would like to do more sit-ups and change my abs or I would like to, you know, there's all these ways, but like divine transformation, a divine revelation is, is going, Hey, everything's going to be different. And mostly the things that are going to change are your best laid plans. Like for Mary, it was like, <laughs> yes, how Holy. I'd like, how, how I'd like to get married, how I'd yes. like, to, uh, how, uh, what I want to name my firstborn child. Yeah. Uh, that, that, this is great stuff. Man. How, how I would like the community to think about our family in the community, yeah. all of those things. And, and yet oh. she still said, let it be so according to your word. And it was like, there is a cost for transformation, but saying yes to it, well, it, it is some of the deepest human stories we have, and we still tell those stories today. Wow. And, and so if you want a revelation, if you want a transformation, be ready to change, but be ready to, to also enter into the deepest experience you can in the world. Yeah, humbling humility, it's, it's, the, it's the, the whole concept of a small door can lead to a large room. Yeah. Um, 
this is um, this is what we're talking. I'm talking with Scott Erickson. The book is called Honest Advent. Came out, I think it's Zondervan. Yeah, Zondervan book, mm -hmm. and it's um, it's available right now. It's something, in fact, uh, and it's okay. People don't need to order it on your website, but they can go to Amazon or Barnes yeah. and Noble. Amazon's the best. Okay, they have a large stock, and actually, they're printing on demand right now, so it gets okay. Fantastic. Well, that's big. the whole world's on demand. That's why we get yeah. shit paper. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but you know, it's so you can get it overnight. So, uh, when you're listening to this, you've got time to get this, and it is a great gift to somebody, in particular, somebody who has questions about where they fit or uh, has honest questions about you know, where they are in their journey or somebody who's never become a follower of Christ. This is the beauty of this. What I love about this uh, book, uh, Scott, is that I could give this to somebody who's just, who's not even a seeker. Cause most men in, in my experience, most men are not seekers. They're runners. Mm. <laughs> most men aren't seeking truth. They're running. And uh, which is why alcohol is so popular. Mm. It's just a, another form of running. And I can give this to somebody and they could start through this and they could say, oh, yeah, well, this makes sense. Mm. You know, I'm getting this. And uh, and then they would say, is it OK to put pictures like this in here? <laughs> <laughs> yes. And really, it's, here, here's the thing. There, you didn't do anything that was that was uh, not apropos to to the subject. Mm -mm. and and your your style of art you know like here she is pregnant she's got the labor pains and it's part of the uh picture of sacred and anybody yeah. who's a parent and has been there through the particular if you were able to be there during the pregnancy phase yeah yeah uh, that particular image it's not even she, uh, people assume it's labor pains, but it's not even that. That's actually like a image I saw my wife just getting up in the morning, and she just was like, "Oh, my body hurts so bad. No, that's my back what hurts so bad." And and she just it's like because pregnancy costs the mom. Yeah, you know it, it's it's beautiful and joyful and great, but it's also like painful and a lot of bodily fluids and it's very, my wife, I remember third trimester, she just would have to like sit up in bed. She just had awful uh, heartburn every pregnancy. Oh, yeah. It'd be like two in the morning, just like trying to like sleep sitting up because she just was like, anytime I lay down, it hurts too much. And that, and that is, and that specific chapter is just going like sacred moments happen in our bodies and by, but what happens when we make things sacred is we start, dismissing the <laughs> the biological truth about what it's like to be in a body that it's kind of filled with aches and pains and nudity and all that kind of stuff yeah in the in hair the, yeah real humanity and the picture for me is yeah. the is that jesus is touchable yeah for me as a man a person you know most guys have uh you know we're onions you know we just have layers and you know, for most of us as men, though, there is that place where we would like to be touched. Mm -hmm. And we'd like somebody to know us and would like to be known. You know, and uh, and that's what came out to me in this book, uh, Honest Advent, was uh, a God who's there and touchable and real. And, uh, and the whole, even the title, Honest Advent, is about honest hope, right? 
Mm -hmm. authentically following Christ in a real world that has messiness to it and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. We make mistakes. And that's what I appreciate about the way he, you know, even the way God inspired men to write the word of God, Mm -hmm. first and second covenant, it's just packed with stuff where guys messed up. (laughs) Yeah. You know, and tipped over and, and didn't do it right. And then got back up. And, you know, for me, that, that, that's where my hope, that's where hope comes up, and and hope is uh, so powerful. It's what makes faith. And great stuff. You talk about unease, enunciation. You make real some phrases we've heard. You know, like particularly if we got a uh, particularly if we've got, let's say, more of a Protestant background than a liturgical background. I did notice. I don't know what church you grew up in, but I did notice you kind of hit the hit the Protestant Puritan thing a little bit. You grew up in a church without colors or pictures or something. Is what? How'd you say that? Yeah. Well, I grew up in without a visual language. Uh, yes. uh, Protestantism is, you know, coming out of the Reformation was trying to uh, swing away from this overindulgent Catholic, and uh, you know, juggernaut. And yeah. and so it, it makes sense that it pivoted. Maybe it went too far, uh, and it gave up some things that I think now. I think I think there's actually a movement in Protestantism to go, oh, oh, imagery can be a yeah. just like music and teaching and things can be a, a a way of spiritual formation. And so how do we do that right? And I you know, after I'm dead, we'll make uh judgments about what all this was, but I'm humbly trying to offer a way forward for that. Um because I think I think a lot of it's been done poorly. And so people haven't been interested in it. Right. You know, if you didn't think if like, if people have experience with churches, but imagine if church never had music and then somebody was like, Hey, can I do, can we do some songs? And people like, yeah, let's do it. And then they got up and they sang horribly. The songs were awful and nobody could follow along after a few times to be like, let's not do that. That's not really good. You know, but when you do it well, you're like, wow, that moved us. The same things with art. Usually it's, Art in churches are done by amateurs. It's poorly thought out. It's poorly done. So people go, oh, okay. Yeah, we don't need it. We don't really need that. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, I grew up, uh, I'm a lot older than you are. So I grew up in the 60s in the Bay Area, Haight-Ashburg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that was part of the whole move uh, was, you know, it was visual. And, yeah. and it was mystery becoming real. And it was uh, being connected through art and experience and, and um, you know, I, I love it. You said, uh, now here's the thing that, that grew out of that though. In that same chapter, you make the quote, uh, by bringing the gift of your life to Jesus. Now you can grow in conversation with him about the gift of your life and your eventual death. Mm, yeah. And what you talked about, and I'll just kind of paraphrase, I may uh, hatch it and you can fix it, but the feeling I got out of it, which is what this book's really about is producing that. The feeling I got out of it was uh, that that my life shouldn't just be about what I'm doing now, but there's there's 100 years or 200 years or 300 years from now. And this whole following Christ is not just an escape mechanism mm. to get out of here. And you brought that out so wonderfully. Yeah. I think it's, you know, one of the things we say with Christian Men's Network is what you do in life becomes history, but what you put into motion becomes your legacy. Yeah. 
And our goal, we have a hundred year plan with the Christian's network to raise up a hundred million fathers who know how to love and disciple their children. Mm-hmm. So we don't repeat the failure of uh, the life of Gideon. It's incredible stuff, man. Cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you for writing the book, Scott. And, and um, I know the pain it takes <laughs> the birth. Honestly, I bet you've been working, you worked on it for four years. Yeah. Like every advent would write some more meditations. Then I finally signed the deal in April, uh, put it all. I wrote right when everything was in lockdown this year, yeah. uh, end of April to May, about like five weeks. I just, I had eight, <laughs> if we want to get technical, I had about 8,000 words and my editor was like, I need you to bump it up to 20. Yeah, <laughs> and then and then I wrote twenty five thousand. And then you so, go, well, we can put some more graphics in, and then yeah, lines. yeah. So, in I mean, some of the meditation started with like two sentences, and I had yeah. to take two sentences and make it a thousand word essay. But it was a great process. It taught me how to be an author. I think there there's a difference between being a writer and then being an author. Like you can practice. I practice writing on Instagram, like micro writing and things like that. Uh, it's fantastic stuff. The book is uh, yeah. Honest Advent, A-D-V-E-N-T, by Scott Erickson. That's with an E-R-I-C-K-S-O-N. Hey, uh, Scott, thanks for taking the time. And yeah, Paul. And, uh, we'll, edit, we'll edit around your uh, uh, housework there or whatever. <laughs> yeah, the grinder and the blower. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Excellent. Um, well, blessings to you, man. Thanks for having me. And bless great. you, man. See great. You. See ya. Bye. Man, Advent, such a powerful season that I think that we need to go back and really emphasize. So that's why I love the fact that he took the time to write this book. Yeah, and it and it's it's powerful. It's uh, something, and and I want to mention again, Scott Erickson. uh, That's uh, Scott Erickson, S O N, and the book is called Honest Advent. And uh, we don't get anything out of it. I just I just want it to enlarge our lives and. And uh, in our appreciation of the coming of the Messiah, yeah, you know, we were uh, we're doing a whole series called Stronger right now with about three or four hundred men, and and um, you know, teaching thing, and we were talking about you know, messing up and and asking for forgiveness, and God is a God of do-overs and yeah. fresh starts and new beginnings, which is and Jesus is the proof of that. Exactly. Right. Exactly. <laughs> it's like it's like, hey, here's a do-over. Here's Christ. Yeah. But so, and I mean, some of the greatest things that you've ever gotten is not, it's not something initially that you thought you got. What? I said, some of the greatest things you've ever gotten are not the things that you initially thought you got. Okay. I got it. So like for wisdom, for example, it's like, man, why did I ever work in that job? Why did that happen? Why did I go there? Why was I with those people? Yeah. But at the same time, in the long run, you are so rich in wisdom. You are so rich in mercy. You are so rich in, you know, so many different things because you did that. And that's the beautiful picture that we learn from the Advent season. It's like, why am I waiting for this? I thought I should have that years ago, months yeah. ago. I love the whole thing, it, you know, really Advent and the coming of Christ is about hope. Yeah. And I think we live in a world that, that really feels hopeless. Exactly. I think the, the next generation is looking at it and saying, okay, my life is not going to be as good as my parents was. Yeah. And uh, so if there's no hope and, and you don't have a vision or a picture of the future, what do you do? You just, you become an anarchist. 
Yes. Or you, um, I guess, become a gamer. Well, guess, but <laughs> who's painting games. our pictures of our future? Yeah, come on, man. Media. Yeah. You see what I'm true. saying? Think yeah. about media and how it's changed over the years. Mm-hmm. Look at the media that you had compared to the media that we have. Yeah. Majority of the media we have nowadays is nothing but narrative, a narrative of negativity. Mm-hmm. Whereas there was positivity. There was good outlooks. We weren't tearing mm-hmm. each other down. Look at the, the way that the world has changed to a place of negative thoughts, negative words words when we need to get back to confessions of positivity yep no question <laughs> you know man. and no, images exactly of positivity right. yeah which is why you know you're working here is building character for you yes yeah exactly <laughs> exactly you know because it's like when you know and I, i'll never forget this one of the first interactions i had with you was when you told me you're like so many future leaders don't have a perfect picture of themselves yeah so they don't know what they're looking at yeah. And they don't know what they're becoming. And if you don't mm-hmm. know what you're becoming, then what are you doing? A man without a vision for his future will always return to his past. Exactly. And if we don't have a vision for the larger yes yeah. of who God says we are, then we're going to go back to the stuff that people have told us we are. Exactly. And it's usually so much smaller than the vision God has for us. Exactly. And so much less. So Honest Advent, um, really a, a great look into uh, the coming of Christ. And uh, then at the mid-break, you talked about uh, getting materials and stuff, cmn.men. This is a Brave Men is a ministry of the Christian Men's Network and the Global Fatherhood Initiative. Uh, We've got a number of things going on. Dangerous Nations is a huge initiative. Uh, We're going into Iran. We've done Vietnam, uh, Indonesia. You know, in Indonesia, we've had over a million men go through our discipleship tools. And, you know, an amazing thing to think that that's happening. So yeah. we're looking forward to that happening. You know, if we go into Iran, Afghanistan, a number of these places, and we're doing it digitally, electronically with people on the ground, partnerships, it's a multi-level uh, strategy, but it's sustainable and it's a strategy that's going to keep going. Yes. In other words, it's just not one shot deal. No. We're going in there with tools, resources, um, got max, yeah, and vision, got maximized manhood going into uh, Farsi. Yes. So I'm pretty fired up about it. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. And so that's, uh, there's 120 million people that speak Farsi. It's not just in Iran, but there's also one of the stands, Kyrgyzstan or one of those in the northern part of Afghanistan, southern part of parts of Russia. So it's an amazing thing. So all of that information is at cmn.men. You see what we're doing. Uh, Recently talking with uh, Squire Rushnell about it and he said man he said you know you and i talked we did this webcast thing or podcast and then uh he said then i went and looked at your site it's incredible yeah yeah amazing what's going on so that's all that's at cmn.men and uh the book honest advent scott erickson yes right yes and then what's the thing that we need people to do with podcasts we need them to subscribe we need them to write a review and we need them to share it with a friend but only a good review Yes. Yeah. Only will ones that say, hey, Chris is awesome. Who's the old guy? No, yeah. don't say that. I like my job. <laughs> <laughs> so, dude. And it can't just be your mom. Yeah, no, we no, We need no. some friends. Yes, some, I need some friends. Yeah, yes. we need you guys to go on there. So wherever you do this, so in other words, on Spotify, uh, Apple, all those places, yes. there's a place to subscribe. Yes. That way, the next podcast coming out, like in December of 2020. Yes. We've got nine podcasts coming out, and they're stellar. Yes. Brian Tome, James Brown, the National Football League sportscaster. Exactly. 
Uh, this one with Scott Erickson. Sam Collier. Oh, yeah. Hillsong, yeah. Atlanta. Yes. And plus, the most amazing thing, that that's a mo- the Steve Harvey show. Yes. Oh, yes. my goodness, man. Yes. That is an amazing story. Well, that's so, why the book's called A Greater Story, Paul. A Greater Story. Well, it should have been called An Amazing Story. <laughs> yeah, they blew the title on that. What can I tell you? You know? Hey, call Sam. Tell him. I'll call him. Quick, tell him. Change the title. <laughs> It, it really has been great having uh, you, our friend, here with us on Brave Men, uh, Chris Shields. I'm Paul Lewis Cole, and that's L-O-U-I-S. So if you're looking on social media, P-A-U-L, L-O-U-I-S, C-O-L-E. Yes. Finds the Instagram, Everything. Facebook, all that stuff. In fact, if you Google that, my name, I'm on there. Yes, and you'll go to his website, your website. Yeah, that's pretty cool. And yeah. then also, if... Um, if you Google Christian Men's Network, you'll find us there. We've got the YouTube channel. Yes. Put in Monday Night Men. If you Google Monday Night Men, do you know it comes up number one right now? What comes Monday up? Monday Night Men. Wow. With Christian Men's Network. That's amazing. It's crazy, man. Yes. So God's been using it. Thousands and thousands of men going through the tools and materials, getting discipled, having our lives transformed from the inside out, man. I'm done with religious junk. Exactly. Can I get an amen from amen. everybody? So, uh, how do they, okay, subscribe, hit the button, hit the stars, do the yes. stuff. Yes, and go on social media and find Christian Men's Network. Yep, um, and YouTube also channel. Paul, yes, Paul Lewis Cole on Instagram, mm-hmm. Facebook, all those uh, social media handles, we are there. And there is content that we put out weekly to bless you. Because, yeah. exactly, you have to continue to allow positive thinking Amen. to be stuff, put man. into you for transformation to happen. Yeah. It's not a one thing. You don't go to the gym once and then expect to have muscles. Well, some of us do. Well, you felt. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that hasn't worked so far. Yes, no. Um, and, and then TikTok, yes. you're on there with some dance videos. Yes. You are? You put that out there? Come on, man. That was supposed to be a secret. I had no idea. And Instagram reels. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So, uh, we're not on TikTok, but <laughs> Javon Ruff is. <laughs> yes, he definitely is. Yeah. We love Javon, <laughs> part of our team with Christian Men's yes. Network, Pastor Javon and his family. <laughs> they are awesome. Yes. Hey, Chris Shields, it's been great being with you today. And it's great being, uh, with you, our friend of brave men. And uh, tell somebody about it. Uh, help them be inspired in yes. their lives. And thank you to Scott Erickson for jumping in on this thing and for taking the pain of over the last four years writing the book, Honest Advent. It's been great to be with you today on uh, Brave Men. I'm Paul Lewis Cole. Remember, hope is alive. Hope has a name. Hope's name is Jesus. Jesus. Come on, somebody. You've just experienced Brave Men with Paul Lewis Cole. Paul is president of the Christian Men's Network. Connect with Paul at cmn.men or write to him at paul at cmn.men.